0: Citizens of the Verse, today is September eighteenth, twenty nine fifty-three, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, way 2 geeky and I'm joined by my co host, the man with the plan, and just back from Connecticut, surprisingly, uh, it's Seagard. Hello, Seagard.
1: Hello. Hello. I am now the currently holding a what? well. Physical, it, but it's sitting three feet away from me. A 1937 Royal King guitar made by Gibson. Oh, nice! That's from my. It's my hats up. tried to get it repaired. So that's cool. We can you all hold awesome. on to that. But. Excellent.
0: <laughs> well,
1: who wouldn't want that? And
0: there I said, excellent. Within the first minute of the episode. Um, and this week we are jo- joined by our brother from the north. It's Canuck.
2: Welcome back, Canuck. Hello there. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. It's, uh, Did I'm you a little do surprised. A no, I have one, but I'm surprised that Peaky went with uh, the easy man with the plan. I would have been impressed had you rhymed Connecticut somehow. Hey. I, I can't say Connecticut that much because sometimes
0: I turn it into the, a dirty word. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of a dirty place. I'm from there. No offense to anyone anyone who's not Um But uh, it's not my, it's my home, but it's not my home. (laughs) It's where I'm from, but it's not my home. (laughs) I visit. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, So we've had quite a bit of a hiatus for a total conglomeration of reasons. But, um, you know, luckily now we actually have some decent content to talk about. Um, So uh, I guess in the meantime, but. I'm curious, you know, what's everybody been up to? Are you guys just been playing Starfield? You're doing something
2: else? Um, what, what about you, Canuck? Have you been playing Star Citizen or something else? Uh, you know what? Uh, true to form, I've been every every patch I'm in. And nice. I've been puttering. I, I, I putter a lot. 318, 319 have been my puttering patches. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to delve too much into some mechanics sometimes because I know they're going to change a lot. So I like to kind of <laughs> skim. But mm-hmm. I've been in and out. Um, but uh, yeah, I have to be honest yeah I have a Xbox game pass so you know I have starfield and I've been playing a little bit of that and um, and uh, that's been about uh, that's been about it so I haven't really focused on a lot um, mm-hmm. in star Citizen I obviously went to visit uh, I think my character currently is stationed at Port Olisar right now to take a few screenshots before it goes away forever. <laughs> Oh, did uh, you the take
0: screen- the screenshots
2: yet? Uh, yeah, I took some screenshots. Oh, okay. I, I was <laughs> just, just going figured, to. I figured I'd use the Corsair because it's the it's the ship of the month there, mm. and um, I've been you know kicking around there, just kind of taking pictures and you know creating a little memory album, I guess. Oh, nice excellent uh oh,
0: there, see i can't it's like i can't help myself 100 percent. 100 and i literally just started drinking whiskey tonight usually <laughs> i drink it while i'm preparing the episode too
2: <laughs> i'm doing the uh, movie trick i'm having tea but if you put it in a clear glass it would look like whiskey oh there you go so i uh I just preferred the real thing you know um,
0: what about you Mr. Mr. Seagard uh, have you been in so
1: I did, I've been doing a lot of um, DCS world mm-hmm. and um, kind of uh, you know I have that other system I have a lot of um, verbal gear on my other my other computer that I don't play Star Citizen on and I bought another verbal control another side panel um, mm-hmm. I'm just you know, overall I'm just always impressed with how good their stuff is. It's it's not cheap, but don't get me wrong, but it, it truly feels like something, you know you know when when I when Star Citizen comes out, when I finally bite the bucket, which we're worried about the same time, I can leave it to my son, right? I mean
3: it's
1: <laughs> it's just so uh It's so Yeah, it is. It really is. It's just gorgeous. And then I was I've been also kind of following um, VKB. I always liked VKB, uh, and I had one of their early products, and I really enjoyed it, and they just came out with the new modern throttling, right? They came out with that. It's, you know, a lot like what you would see from Verbal or from Thrustmaster. It's, you know, it's got all the buttons, and hats, and swappable hats, and I almost bought it. I was so close, um, you know, but I have a good throttle already, and I just figured I'd stay within my my you know, structure of, of system of, of parts. Uh, so I've been tracking a lot of that and then watching a lot of uh, videos, uh, a little bit about the whole scene things like that. I uh, haven't been playing a lot. I've been uh, doing a little job hunting, a little bit of uh, stuff around the house. And I would say DCS with Haymar. I've well, been doing a little bit. Nice. So, yeah, it's been fun. And in my trip, obviously. Yeah.
0: yeah. I haven't done anything in game. Um, I figured you were working your butt off. It's not even that. It's just, uh, I don't want to get into it here. <laughs>
1: yeah. anyway, you know, the job market is interesting. Because I'm, a, I'm a senior project manager, and I got, a call, I got an invite to apply for a job as a senior aircraft in, a mechanic to assemble engines on the assembly line. So this is definitely cause cause not pro- qualified. <laughs> so I, 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 don't envy your job as a recruiter. Have you ever done creative project management? Out of curiosity, <laughs> i have been creative all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. I have to be creative. <laughs> when, yeah, when you're faking it all the time, you need to be really creative.
3: Because
0: I, I have one of those searches, but it's you know the person who's like dealing with the branding stuff and like moving it in Monday.com. Yeah. To, uh, to other work groups and before yeah. launching, so very like campaign oriented. Yeah, uh, work is work is work. So I am. I don't envy you. I I know the feeling. Oh, it's uh, listen, just, just first enough subtext without getting into it, folks. Just I'm very stressed out and and have only had one panic attack in the past few weeks <laughs> and only, only
2: five <laughs> emotional breakdowns. So, um, <laughs> hey, I'll, so see I'll, I'll see if I can fit you to my therapeutic schedule <laughs> so, after cigar.
0: So if you can combine that with this a lackluster, a lackluster, um, set of content coming out of CIG, <laughs> then you've got what, what essentially amounts to borderline
1: <laughs> verging on depression. <laughs> well, um, um the cure is in because we've got a
2: lot to talk, talk about over the next little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm so. a big fan of mediocrity. It's worked for me for you know, <laughs> 61 years. <laughs> well, uh, and
0: in good news, the job market is starting to pick up. So, good. for those who are worried about it, it I'm—I mean, I—I I think I'm about to work on three or four more searches, which is oh, good, unheard of.
3: Then
0: we can start and, playing. And That's yeah. it. Um, so why don't we talk about ISC and I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to go through all the episodes we missed because quite frankly, they're too boring for me to even summarize. I will give you the, uh, a sense of what they, they did in those episodes. I think, uh, we already talked about their, their sound episode a couple, a few weeks ago, a month ago now, Mm -hmm. but then they did a ship sound episode the week after. So two weeks ago we had a ship sound episode. About sounds of ships to make it seem more immersive. If you're super interested in that, definitely check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyone have anything they want to talk about regarding ship sound?
2: Can that you know what? Uh, the Sounds Like Ship episode is mm-hmm. a better episode than the, <clears throat> the previous one. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, and actually, hungry, I'm glad they one, are.
1: That. That one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to hear the rattling of the floor plates and stuff and not just feel like I'm cruising along with no vibration on the ship or anything else. So Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot better, but it's still like
0: kind of one of those episodes you could tell we're headed in the Citizen Con territory. They're not trying to be
2: too exciting. It's almost like somebody asked a question about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think I actually feel bad for Jared because Jared is caught in that. You know, you know he has to produce stuff. And he's like, what can I talk about? Nothing. Oh, 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 you're killing me, you know? I can just imagine it.
0: I mean, here's the thing. I
1: think I think what they did in last week's
0: episode and, and what's coming this week is exactly what they should do when it's yes. this time period because it gives us a better sense of where their head's at. So what, why don't we dive into to this past week's ISC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, it was about uh, kind of the future of cargo gameplay. Um, and, mm-hmm. and as a career, although they didn't really talk about it from a career perspective, but they started out the episode talking about how the USPU and the Montreal PU team have now merged to be North American PU or NAPU um, for short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the goal there is to create a ton of coding and design firepower. They're going to be prioritizing things like physicalized cargo, in-game shops, exploration. Um, so really important big gameplay uh Considerations that span probably everything the game touches. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're right now working on a lot of the stuff in technical design phase. So that's when they jumped into talking about cargo. Um, and the first part about changes to cargo that are down the road are freight elevators, which we've heard of. Uh, but also they talked about instance hangers and persistent hangers. So freight elevators will change the magic cargo popping mechanism that we have right now into something a little bit more tactile and will be the way that you call cargo and items from your inventory into a hangar that you will now move to your ship. So it's an access point. There will be an interface and kiosk for you to call things up from your inventory. The elevators themselves will have cargo grids so that things will snap to them and you will have to use tractor beams or I'm sure other equipment down the road to move things around. Um, so it will be a tactile and organic process and it will also apply to things like outposts and underground facilities where there will include, there'll be including manual loading and unloading as well. Um, next in order to really facilitate that kind of gameplay right now, we we can't stay in hangars that long. So, um, in addition to having those cargo, um, elevators, They really need instance hangers. So in an instance here, you can stay in a hangar much longer than you normally would, I'm guessing, an infinite amount of time until you want to leave. And the way it'll work is the hangar will spawn when you call um, the ATC. It'll spawn at the door. And once you land in the hangar and the doors are closed, it will move away from that to keep you from blocking the entrance. Um, You won't feel anything or anything, but it'll essentially stream out. Um, Persistent hangers are sort of an evolution of that. So persistent hangers will be the first step towards actually owning a hanger. So first will be instanced, then persistent, and those persistent hangers will include the ability to keep whatever you want in your hanger wherever you want. You can customize it, upgrade it, uh, potentially down the road, uh, purchase multiple locations. Uh, Right now the goal is the home location to start with. And then, you know, you can invite friends and other players into your hangar. Uh, and it'll use the same technology to build them like they're using for player haps. Uh, and then the last part of the episode, they really talked about changes to cargo boxes themselves. So with 320, we we're already seeing a, a bunch of changes because we have sizes from 1 all the way up to 32 SCU and everything in between. Um, but they will add into the game inventory container boxes. So instead of now using your magic inventory screen to move things from one inventory to another, you will have to put your items into these cargo containers in order to move them into a locations inventory. So they'll have their own sort of space and properties. Some, some will include, um, you know, being fragile, radioactive. Some might need to be kept cold. Um, they can also help you event down the road store large items in cargo boxes, like ship weapons or small vehicles, um, and will give you a universal way to haul things. Uh, but keep in mind, this will also enable pirates to exploit exploit your, um, you know, cargo hauling and steal your inventories a lot easier. Uh, and then. Eventually they want to also enable attaching other items to cargo grids as long as they're physicalized uh, and can be moved by a tractor beam. So they showed some examples of that, including some goofy ones like hot dogs. Um, So yeah, it's ultimately going to open up how our cargo grids are used in the game. There was an example that they sort of showed where someone set up a little bit of a shop in a Hercules star lifter to sell components. So really interesting stuff. Canuck, what did you think of last week's episode and anything stand out to you that excites you or any questions you have
2: after that? Um, yeah. Well, there was some good, like I found it, it was interesting. Um, and it was actually, it was a, it was a good episode because it was just kind of, it was one of their more clear episodes. Yeah. Um, I know that some of the reaction has been, oh, but the thing is there was absolutely in my mind, nothing surprising except for maybe snapping to cargo grids bodies or ships completely yeah. um, everything that they're moving forward with is what they were talking about since day one Yeah, uh, the item boxes being uh, suit lockers and weapons racks and all that kinds of stuff that's exactly what they've been planning on doing um, I think their sales tactics could be worked on a little bit you know, yeah. uh, I don't know if if anybody's really buying into the you know those great times you had with your buddies moving stuff with a U-Haul. That's how you lose friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, even the instancing, while that is new news, I don't think anybody is surprised by that at all. Yeah, and Dude, if we don't notice a difference, who cares? Yeah, uh, because the thing is, is uh, I do have a question that comes out of that that I'll, I'll touch on in a sec, but. When you get the instancing, you, you can't have everybody in an individual real hangar in Lorville. It just okay. it's not possible. And because you'd be kicked out or it would take too much time. You'd have people queuing forever trying to get into the place. So we knew that. Um, but it, also, it does bring, and we can come back to it after, but it does kind of bring a question. It creates an element of security for your home hangar. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is now you're not going to be raided while you're offline or anything like that. So it'd be invitation only. Will that eventually extend to homesteads as well, where the homesteads are going to be instanced? So you're going to have specific planets that are going to be earmarked for for housing, as it were, um, or specific areas on planets. So you're going to transition in, but then your homestead is that, where you can produce and you're in a completely instanced homestead. That's kind of something to be seen later um, I think they will this is where they always talk about you know the you know going for reality and then dialing it back to fun yeah I think this is where this is where it, the balance becomes something that they're gonna really have to be careful with yeah because they don't want to kind of frustrate people they don't want to kind of create tedium but at the same time you know if you don't you know, you kind of knew what you were getting into. Now, I don't think there was going to be automated systems. And like you said, it might not only be tractor beams only to move things. Mm -hmm. But you're not obviously filling a hull C like that or a hull D or a hull E. Um, There's going to be different mechanisms for that scale. You can't be expected to tractor beam everything onto a hull C. Um, But the thing is, if it's something you don't really like doing, then you're going to be the person who's using nothing, any ba- anything bigger maybe than a nomad yeah. or than a freelancer. Or and hiring some, people to do it for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there are people that would be willing to do it. But Secret. I think, I think there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's fine. There's yeah. always somebody who's willing to do it, or it might be something that, you know, it might be a rite of passage in a new org or something. If you, you want into the org, you have to spend two weeks in the hangar loading stuff. That's your your initiation. Yeah. But overall, I I think everything in there was, I mean, there's never when questions. And it always frightens me a bit when they're using um, words like we're looking at and we're kind of, you know, brainstorming this. And you're Mm kind of thinking, you know, guys, it's like you're 13, shouldn't we, or 10, should uh, should we have that fleshed out a bit more? But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this one because in my mind, it was all pretty much good news. Yeah. Nice. See, that wasn't excellent or one hundred percent. If you're right, you're one hundred percent. Excellent. Right. So excellent. That's correct.
0: Excellent. So what about
1: you, Seagard? Did you catch the episode last week? Yeah, yeah, I did, and there was. Uh, uh, I liked it quite a bit, um, and I think there was even a mention not only of um, cargo. Um, like building the cargo, um, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, grid play, the what do you call it? The, uh, um, the routine, right? Building out mm-hmm. the career, I guess it is the career. Mm-hmm. There was also a mention of, um, work being done on exploration. Yes. all right, That caught my eye or my ear. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, crumble hit it right on the head. Everything there I thought was great you just um, call it Canuck Cromwell? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Canuck. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry, Canuck. I'm, I'm, yeah. not, an,
2: I'm not an Irish, uh, an English yeah, right. dictator from from uh, <laughs> sure years right. gone by.
1: Yeah, I think you're thinking about of Cromwell and the org, who has yes, similar. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would call him Oliver otherwise. That's really <laughs> yeah. a first name basis, being him. But uh, no, sorry about that. But I mean, you were right on it. I mean, there was nothing surprising there. Um, I did like the idea that um, I like the idea of having, you know, options for multiple hangar locations and things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of something I've always talked about, right? It's like, how am I going to, I have this, this good-sized fleet, but I also have a lot of hangers, right? Yeah. And I'm going to distribute these over multiple locations. And that, to me, becomes very interesting because now I can start bringing cargo to places, loading it onto single ships, and then flying it to a place where I might sell it, right? Um, And I think that is intriguing also. Um, I still am a little concerned with, like, um, the whole sea is a lot of cargo, right? And right now I don't see the need for anyone to carry that much cargo at one point it's certainly Mm. not worth the risk given our past experience. You know, there's been several times where people have lost more than a million, you know, in a single crash or in a single pirate hack or attack or something like that. So, um, the hull sea is going to be an interesting ship. I'm hoping it's not just a a floater at the dock.
2: Uh, I hope you have something to make it worthwhile. To be fair, I think the hull sea, uh, before you jump in there, geeky, the, the hull C has been released, but I think it was released because there was probably some pretty decent pressure to get something out. Because there's a lot of stuff that's it's 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 a newest release ship, but it's certainly not a gold pass ship. The mechanic is not in place. It's like it's a placeholder mechanic for loading. When you actually go in, I haven't been. Me personally, I haven't been to the ship, but I was watching a few like kind of tours of the ship, and you can tell it's it's not conceived with the components in mind. It's not conceived with uh, those kinds of elements. It's really, it's like, and I'm okay with that. It's an alpha. Put it in. See how it works. See how it goes. But we can't we can't measure it against like well. You know, it doesn't really fit in the economy. Well, there is no economy per se. So well, yeah, people that are yeah. kind of like, I agree that it's going to be it's going to be pretty easy pickings. I think once it's out there, but that you're still testing a mechanic in in that, right. and it is Pirate Week, right? So yeah, well, I would hope that there's some kind of mission that allows you to run
1: regularly, or some kind of demand. You know, even if it's freaking, you know, waste, you know, large amounts of waste for. <laughs> Whatever reason, buy it for a cent, sell it for eight cents, right? Yeah, <laughs> eight, well, eight, I agree. Eight, like, you
2: know, I, I have, I have difficulty understanding why they can't create a couple of just basic cargo missions for those hot that a couple of high capacity ships, where it's like, hey, we've got a mission for you to haul from Baijini to Tressler. Uh, we need a ten thousand credit deposit. Um, and then magically your ship gets loaded. They pay you a hundred thousand credits. No, deliver, and just there you go. You've got a hauling mission. Yeah, um, I kind kind of don't thing know I'm what that's about. There I, yeah.
0: yeah, I think I think it's closer rather than not because I think they are even I feel like they mentioned it in a monthly report. But regardless, I, it makes sense. I I'm excited by it, and I think. Obviously, this is relatively far out. Like, I think we're looking at a year or close to it, maybe even more. But um, it's interesting that, like you said, Canuck, they they didn't they made it seem really fun to do something tedious, and not everybody's excited by that. What I think they missed or missed an opportunity of talking about like something like hiring on people to load the ship for you based on parameters and that might not be my guess will be when it comes to your inventory specifically you might not be able to do that but what i don't know is like one of the things that doesn't quite 100 percent add up is those freight elevators are to access your inventory are we going to Put cargo that we're selling into those freight elevators, and then go to a kiosk somewhere and sell it. Um, or we could store it within the facility. Um, or is there a separate cargo location like like what we're seeing with the whole sea? And really, this is to access our
2: inventories and things that we've bought, known, and kind have. Of, um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, though no, that's a good question. Like, are the freight elevators really going to be something that is your hangar specific? And they're going to have a different mechanism for large-scale selling or loading um, at the places, like industrialized places anyway.
0: Yeah. And they seem Um, like they will be the transition for, like, I think long-term. If I have stuff that I want to distribute to someone else, I feel like if I put it on the elevator and then I attribute some sort of ownership to someone else, they can call it from the station
2: mm -hmm. inventory. But I think what happens with the elevators, which is kind of nice, is they're essentially instancing inventory. Yeah. And that should, in theory, take a little bit of pressure off of the main servers as well. A hundred, I mean, like... See, a lot. Like like you're, yeah, you almost did it. But <laughs> hugely. Like, <laughs> hugely. <laughs> <laughs> Goody geeky. Um, but yes, because if you're suddenly instanced, then your, your inventory, if you've got a bajillion things... It's instanced. It's, it's, so the only thing that's floating around in the real world is stuff you lay lying around or stuff that's actively in your ship.
0: Well, that it's, it's very clear that they're using this to turn it into long-term persistence, right? So it takes it from whatever the entity map of the location is and converts it into your LTP inventory, right? So like long-term, you know, think like eventually, maybe if you had a, a, a crate of medical supplies, mm-hmm. that won't disappear now, even though it's consumable, because they use that as the way to, to calculate the ledger for what's in your actual
1: inventory.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We already do this with ore, right? I mean, technically, we bring ore in, we find it, we pick a ship, and it gets loaded onto the ship.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yep. This would be similar, right? We would bring in cargo, it would be stored in our cargo bay. Like raw ore, instead of refined, it would just
2: be kept there, and we would pick it up and kind of group it. Yeah, I think the, I think the cargo elevators are going to be very much just large-scale Covalex machines. Yep, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing per se. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll, we'll uh,
0: luckily we'll get to learn some more this week because it's a two? second episode. Yeah and you know i thought that was that first episode was great so i'm excited yeah. to hear what they tell about thursday yeah.
2: and hats off again to the montreal team that seem ever since they've been they've come on uh we've seen some pretty big movement on a, on a few really important files yeah um so you know looking forward to partie 2 as we like to say <laughs> can you tell us what that
0: means for <laughs> those two of us. in french <laughs>
3: yeah. it didn't uh,
0: that for some reason it didn't register for me. All um, oh, right, there you go. <laughs> um, excellence. Oh, jeez. I'm just I'm just gonna embrace it. Okay, just embrace,
2: embrace it. embrace Be you, you Kiki. Uh, I think
0: I, I think I know. <laughs> Sorry, I <laughs> I just came up with the episode title. Unless something better comes up, embrace. <laughs> it. All right, embracing forward. excellence.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: but you never know, things could come yeah. change. Yeah. Um, now last week's Star Citizen Live, and forgive me I didn't get to summarize everything, but um, if anyone has any pointers, it was with the vehicle
1: gameplay. Vehicle gameplay team? Yeah they, was,
2: the yeah, they changed the name. Yeah. Is this about the racing? No. No, the racing was a twelve. Uh, no, the racing was a ten-minute Fury commercial. Yeah, that's really what it was. This was yeah. the one where it was a Q and R with uh, Jared and. I it fell fell asleep partway through the
1: session there. Eh? Well, I would that's say the tired. biggest
0: thing—the biggest thing that they talked about—which we'll we'll get into some more stuff about this later—but the biggest thing that they mentioned early on is they created this new team because a lot of the people that moved to this team were before focused almost exclusively on squadron and now their deliverables are done there and they can focus on the PU now. Mm-hmm. So I'll that's interesting. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. but uh, some of the questions that I pulled out, uh, based on it, uh, someone asked, uh, and first of all, Jared said the focus here is for current ships playable in the game. Although they broke this for sure. But, uh, he said, is there a reason, well, first question is, is there a reason to not have rotational decoupled mode? Uh-huh. And they said, quite frankly, it's just hard to control. It's not that they ruled it out. It's not a focus right now. They would need some either UI elements to make it easier or increase particle effects when moving in a given direction to make it more readable for players. But right now, it's just not a huge focus of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um Someone asked if the Moby Glass... Oh, I can't speak. If the Moby Glass button switch was inspired by Starfield because they switched it to Tab. And they said, nope. Uh, It had to do with the Arena Commander feature team wanted to change it because scoreboards in a lot of games like that are Tab. So that's why the Moby Glass moved to Tab. I'm guessing in 320, I haven't known that. So... We'll see. I, they didn't say what scan is now, so <laughs> or ping. No.
3: We'll, um, see it,
0: we'll see it in the new keybind map. That's right. In, in the keybind map, we'll be looking for it with a magnifying glass. <laughs> um, they asked, have you started work on the Nautilus's mine launching mechanism? And they said, well, no, they've built the mines, but they haven't started on the launcher itself. Um, they asked why, or people asked why, I, I don't know why it's this big generic, they people ask, uh, why is the Gladius the testbed for master modes and not a starter ship? Uh, and they said, it's just a good ship based on the way the ship is built based on its oh, maneuverability. Standard. It's all. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it. it
2: because it's, it's in Squadron 42, folks. It's the hero ship of Squadron yeah. 42. It's the ship everybody's going to be spending I'm most of their
0: time on. Like, you should know <laughs> that's the answer to the question, really. They didn't even say that, but that's really what it is. But then he did say that they tried it with different ships, though. Yes, including multi-crew like in ships. Like they're testing.
2: It's not mm-hmm. like they're just, okay, we're just going to test with the Gladius. They're, yeah. not, they're not complete idiots out there. Yeah,
0: it's just what they're throwing into the Arena Commander test bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, someone asked, is there a way to fix turned over vehicles? Um, sometimes they won't auto flip back. Uh, and they talked about how they implemented the new physics system with vehicles in 320. And they said they want to find a way to diegetically do it, you know, like tractor beams or something else. Mm
2: -hmm. Or six guys pushing on it.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, they didn't say that, but, uh, you know, maybe there could be a way to do that. Uh, someone asks, "How will QED quantum uh, enforcement devices work within master modes?" Um, for the person using the QED, same as anything else that's in combat mode, right? So they're switching over to combat mode. They're not going to be able to navigate or, or you know quantum away quickly, but they can pull someone out of quantum or dampen the person being pulled out. It's pretty much similar, except. You know, in this instance, the quantum drive is going to be either disabled or restricted. So um, if you're in nav mode and the quantum drive is turned off, you'll essentially start to switch to combat mode anyway. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much all they talked about there. They talked about stealth a little bit and how stealth, you know, the way they see it is stealth is a ship's ability to mask its signatures and use environmental factors to hide. Uh, and they said that the resource network will be critical for this because you can move your resources around and control how visible you'll be in the universe. It all has to come down to things like emissions. So um, we don't have a fine control over that right now, but in the future you will. Um, And those were the things I pulled out because, quite frankly, it was a pretty long episode, and I didn't get a chance to watch it uh, in its entirety. So I was hopping through questions Um, Canuck, do you have anything to add? Anything else interesting that came up that you wanted to talk about?
2: Yeah, uh, just um, one of the things that I did, there's two things, like you were talking, because the stealth interests me, but Mm. again, I'm not a big fan of, like, the EVE Online, uh, completely invisible, specific ships. Mm. I I do like the idea of just really limiting noise or emissions. And that makes you just more difficult to detect. Yeah. And then with that, you can, again, once it comes to balancing, they can scale which emissions make more noise or not. Or, or Yeah. And so the lower you are, it could be like, uh, you know, diminishing returns or the, the if you can really get that signature low, it takes a lot of either focused scanning to find you. And then stuff I think they mentioned, you know, you're really quiet and all of a sudden you're, your bomb doors open up. And then you just light up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. And that'd be important because you need to have a way to counter that. Yeah. You know, you can't be sitting in a, quote, you know, like an idris, And then, you know, five, you know, uh, eclipses show up and you just don't even know what hits you. you yeah. Know, th- you should, they should be able to get in range. But once those bay is open and those missiles are on the way, the torpedoes rather, it at least gives the crew a time to react. And that's where your fun is as opposed to just, you know, not even knowing what happened. Um, So that was the thing. The the, the big takeaway, and generally I try to be positive, but this one I'm going to say. Ground vehicles are a mess. Yeah. They really are. Um, They're struggling with their, well, what they're calling physics. They're struggling with their their ground interaction. They're struggling with their collision for the hover vehicles. They're struggling. And, you know, there was the one about the Nova Tank, with its center of mass being too high, when it's not really the case, um, it's just, it's their physics, it's the way it's implemented. So they're having a hard time. Now, they said they're doing a pass again on 3.2 to kind of implement some physics changes. But I think for a lot of the same reasons that we have giant spaceships blowing away in 100-kilometer-hour winds, um, they're struggling. They're, uh, uh, honestly, I, I really feel like they're struggling with their ground vehicles. Um, yeah. As a, as a general thing, with their handling, with with um, the interaction with the ground and all that, um, so I really hope that they can kind of focus on that and come up with a model. I think people would be happy with an arcade-ish model if it's a model that's consistent and works well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think yeah, that's I think that should be a pretty good. And again, I don't know what, if it's a coding question or if it's an engine question or if it's a performance question or a combination of everything. But I would like to see uh, a little bit more work put into the actual vehicle physics.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of things that I didn't mention that kind of stand. Well, one thing that stands out from that episode, and then another thing that sort of comes to my mind the from the episode they did say that they're going to have more atmospheric effects on things so there'll be drag um both on ships but also on vehicles and um that you know uh aerodynamics will play a part and they have a model that they're looking at for that so maybe that will help improve things to a degree the other thing i find is In most instances, on all the planets that they generate, it's hard to find things to not collide with. And I think that definitely, obviously the physics is really the problem, but Mm -hmm. I find that there's a lot of instances for you to collide with things. There's not a lot of open space for you to drive a vehicle around. And that's regarding not even roads, but like there's not fields, there's fields with rocks everywhere or so you have a lot of points of collision to begin with. And it's like, sometimes that object scattering doesn't include natural
2: potential paths to a destination. And in CIG's defense on that point, um, if you were to get on a four wheeler, you know, head out into the into the bush, and then start driving 350 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. uh, you would have a hard time avoiding trees and roots and branches. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges, though, to, to to pull back away from that, is you're never quite sure what has collision sometimes. Yeah. So you you're <laughs> avoiding a giant rock that you think, oh my goodness, if I hit that with my gravel, if I'm gonna but you drive right through it and then there's like a shrub and that has the mass yep. of a, of, of a, a great blue whale. And it's a low pixel shrub. No <laughs> less. <laughs> exactly. So I, again, I think if they can sort that out and then the traversal distances are significant, right? So people want mm-hmm. to move fast. You don't want to be driving 20 kilometers an hour or, okay, pardon me for our American viewers, uh, 12 miles an hour. Um, 300 kilometers or, or uh, 180 miles. Uh, that would take too long. So that we we need to figure out a way to have quick traversal times without making everything just, you know, the lake at Microtech. Mm. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think that's a, a fair point. And the vehicles do move crazy fast too. And it's, there's not, the throttle is too quick to respond like it's it's there's not enough nuance and i think that's part of some of the changes they're bringing i think i don't know because i didn't test anything in the ptu because you know how much i hate that bug that i have
2: where i have to just delete everything whenever there's a new patch (laughs) yeah it's not as bad now with internet being unlimited but i remember back in the days when i was just you know alpha 1.0 and i had to be careful about how many patches i had to download.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. I luckily I came on after that. Seagard, um, what about you?
1: Did you get a chance to see the episode? I did see some of it. Um, I mean, you guys covered it really, really well. Um, uh, you know, I was also thinking we had the Squadron Forty Two update recently. Were you going to talk about that? Because there was some interesting stuff in the in the email.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. I'll be honest, I didn't pull the notes for that, but if there's anything that jumps out from that update, you know, like,
1: feel yeah, free to I share. Uh, there was a lot of reference. First of all, there's a lot of reference to polishing mm-hmm. and fine-tuning, right? There is still some development, and then there's some other areas. So, uh, so they were saying, like, motion capture worked alongside writers to finish narrative touches to certain areas and, support, and supported spot improvements to AI behaviors, right? Facial side, they've got um, behavioral lines of performances, um, you know, to bring everything more life, uh, alive during the action, right? Uh, but again, it talks about polished tasks for cast characters, um, and and you know, bringing up the um, the ground combat and the background the ambience more to life. Um, they also had talked about. Uh, working to, pro- they basically are approaching a milestone on the audio side where they'll have provided all of the sound effects for all the work by, done by all the upstream strike teams, basically the teams that have been writing code and mm-hmm. developing the scenes, everything, all the audio is basically coming up, They're almost caught up. And uh, which is that's a good sign too. Um, and then they're also, they talk here in particularly, they say, uh, they helped identify uh, required post alpha changes and it, or improvements which is I'm not sure exactly what post alpha means but I thought that was an interesting phrase there mm. um, resource network so so they did some work on uh, resources uh, and they specifically mentioned vehicles which I think was also in that. Uh, Video uh, in the show, they talked about how fuel and power are used, and and how quantum drive and thrusters are going to kind of use some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, like they mentioned, I think in the show that vehicles can run out of fuel. Yep, right. So I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, thrusters using power is still one of the complicated areas that they specifically call that out, and they said they are still working on it, uh, through it. Next, there's only three more things that I kind of pulled out, but they said they have about 20 new gameplay story scenes being recorded. um, And they want to make sure that, you know, that process goes smoothly as possible. So that's, in my mind, that means that they are reviewing the story, if not in a gameplay style, at least in a storyboard style. Mm. And they are determining that there's either, you know, an alternate ending or an alternate choice that could be made by the player or some kind that involves a cutscene or some other interaction, right? But 20 of them, um, new ones. Uh, yeah. Which I don't think I've seen that in the past before. I don't think I've seen any of that before. So this does seem like, in my mind, they're getting closer to finishing. hmm um, Yeah. It doesn't tell me if they're finishing chapter one or chapter two or chapter three. Right? It doesn't say anything. It just says, in my mind, that they're getting close to finishing. Let's see. I they all am one. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, too. Uh, so the other thing to talk about was they worked on adding these little vignettes for when you land they specifically talk about the leg the gladius so when you're prepping take takeoff you know your crew will run out there and shove the ladder up against the side and run up and open the cockpit and prep your harness and all the stuff that happens on carriers and on air force bases you know around the world and the same thing when you land right i mean they've got to refuel and rearm and all that they're building those vignettes out and uh If you're a DCS player, you'll know what I'm talking about. There is a carrier module they came out with, and the crew is on the deck doing stuff. It's amazing. They're directing your plane, which way to go, how to line up on the catapults, yeah, um, all that stuff. And it really brings it to life. Uh, In fact, it's really hard to tell it's not a real video. Uh, So I think that's cool if they can add that level of detail. You were going
2: to say something? Well, do we want to take a minute? Like, since we've we've kind of broached the Squadron Forty Two thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, geeky. You want to dive into the leaks or something? Well, we can look at the leaks. There's some there's some news that I okay. Well, can I I make there's one last bullet?
1: Just one last bullet. It says that um, the last one, the narrative team was heavily involved in recent performance capture shoots. Um. Let's see. The core gameplay and audio team, they worked with it to with the core gameplay and audio team to detailed wild line scripts for characters. Now, here's the interesting... Well, that's interesting, but this is the key part to kind of stuck. These include some new characters that have been introduced in the latest levels, as well as pickups from a handful of returning characters uh, that have been previously that had been previously captured. Uh, part of this line; these lines include buddy AI designed for a first-person shooter and flight sims. Okay. But the I, idea that there's wildline scripts on, for characters, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, but I do like the sign of returning actors and characters, right? I think that's interesting. Or that gave me an impression. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe they've started chapter two, right? You ended, they've done one, and they're polishing, and maybe now they've decided the script for volume or part two, and they brought characters back from volume one. That was one possibility. I'm it's probably not the only possibility, but yeah, I'm not sure. Okay,
2: back to um, you guys. Okay, yeah. go Kiki.
1: Oh,
0: you were going to say something?
2: Well, yeah, like I'm just saying, I think that we've seen a little bit of movement, you know, even with just in the, in the, um, the SCL, with the team, kind of that team being suddenly free to start working on different things. So if we start seeing teams kind of moving a little bit back into the PU, sneaking back into the PU a little bit, it means that there's a lot more stuff that is feature complete in Squadron 42 I mean, they've had all hands on deck, and it hasn't been on all hands on deck for like a week. It's been a, a bit. Yeah. and That's a lot of ad power for all hands on deck. Yeah. So I personally, I know, like, listen, I've been here since 2012, and I've been listening to Chris say in two years, in two years, in two years. But I actually, every time he said that, I was kind of very skeptical. Right. Um, but I honestly think that this sitcom is going to have a release date. Like this time, Seagard, when you keep saying, Oh, there's gonna be a release date for Squadron forty two and it doesn't happen this <laughs> time I'm confident that if you make that prediction, you've got a high level of success yeah. on that. Yeah, one.
0: just take just take just take Seagard's prediction date and add a year.
2: <laughs> his prediction dates are plus two as well. I read somewhere or saw somewhere that there was there were, there were whispers of them looking at porting it to consoles as well. Yep. Um, which I don't think is unreasonable because some people well, play this game it. with with a, with a, a gamepad anyway. Um, right. They'll just have to you know FPS cap it or something. Yeah. Bring the resolution down. I, a, yeah, I don't think it's I
1: think it's a you know, they've just done this with Microsoft Flight Simulator, right? Traditionally a PC game and now it's PC and Xbox and it's and it's guys are playing Xbox and buying controllers, there's special lines of controllers. I mean it's a big
2: deal. And uh, there was Geeky, did you wanna to touch you mentioned the leaks. The Yeah, you know, well I mean good news, bad news leak a little bit. If you're thinking of the same one I'm thinking of now. Well,
0: I mean, the, the one,
2: I mean, I'm thinking of a few things,
0: right? So first and foremost, in part of the leaks, for squadron, yeah. yeah, like supposedly it's very well verified that we will get news on Squadron and com, regardless. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, everything, even, even the official stuff now is starting to point in that direction. I mean, the roadmap's looking thinner and thinner. <laughs> You know, teams are moving to PU again. I mean, it would be crazy not to start to rule out at least, as we said, that, that they have a date in mind. Um, and let's face it, they're great at missing dates. So, like, they might give us an actual date and then they'll still yeah. miss it by six months. But we know it's closer than not. Um, but some of the leaks have said that Squadron isn't a very deep game. That it's action-packed and interesting But that it lacks depth So Take that with what you will Mm -hmm. Um, That's always been my fear But I also don't like single-player games I'm only playing
1: Squadron Because I like Star Citizen Mm -hmm. Um, So We'll see what happens there Yeah, His his games traditionally have not been Role-playing games or RPG style They've been um, Interactive films Mm-hmm. yeah and and he, you know his earliest games, the ones that really made him famous Wing Commander, were all about the cutscenes and the yeah, and the in game character um, interactions, right? I mean, it was important to go down to the bar and talk to the bartender. Yeah. It was important to pick the right wingman uh, depending on your play style, right.
0: Gentlemen, mm-hmm. if you don't mind bantering for a moment, I've been drinking a lot of water lately. <laughs> so yes, go ahead. <laughs> and do I don't want to. Re- I don't want to do another episode where I come back and say, "What was that?"
1: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. So you played those. You played those Wing Commander series, also.
2: Oh yeah, I remember back in the day when you had to buy the Pentium sixty because your yeah your your SLC two with the external co processors are just been work and <laughs> and <laughs> and. And eight megabytes of RAM was 360 Canadian. That's Um, right. But if you're lucky, you can squeak out some expanded RAM. That's right. (laughs) But I I think you're right. And I I don't, again, I don't think there would be much of a surprise if the game is more kind of like, I don't want to, I'm not going to go so far as to say on rails, but I think it's something where Chris was probably envisioning, like, I would like to make almost an interactive kind of film. I think the cutscenes are going to be rich. I think there's going to be really beautiful things to look at. Um, Like you said, all those interactions you were talking about. So there's going to be that kind of, like you would never want a lot of what we're going to get in Squadron 42 in the PU because there was, already people are not crazy about like the getting into the ship, getting out of the ship animations. Right. But I think in 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 the real game, Hopefully they'll enable skipping because, you know, there's only so many times you can get in and out of a ship and have everybody do other things and say the same lines over again. Correct. Absolutely. Um, but the first few times when you really want that immersive experience, uh, it will get that. Um, and I think that's why I'm kind of wondering if they might even go so far as to, like, I- enabling a story mode where you just can't die. That would be kind of fun. That would be interesting. And, and then you enjoy the whole story. Yeah, so you're not replaying. Like maybe if you do story mode, you don't have access to the F eight lightning in the PU. Right, right. Uh, but you, you, you get go. the full
1: you get the full gist of the story. You get. Not based, to you're not limited because of your lack
2: of twitch. You know, Correct. twitch reaction skills and. Because uh, the guys. guys- the guy that's one hundred percent. The guy that's like just like a career hauler who's looking forward to flying around in his Hull E and moving right. logistics and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you give a if you give that person a game that's you know with really difficult combat uh, with really difficult AI, that's not a good experience for them. So they right. might want to have that stars that that squadron forty two experience. Um, but not really have to get all sweaty over it. And that's where I think perhaps a storyline mode, a story mode, like, you know, as I'm trying to think of the Star Wars games on that just came out from LucasArts, there's always the story mode where no matter how bad you are at combat, you'll eventually win every fight anyway. Right. Uh, Right. But in that case, if you play story mode, you don't get that F8 token. Right. You know, so you get a disclaimer saying, listen, there are certain perks you'll get to passing this game in the in the Persistent Universe if you play on normal or more difficult, but if you decide to play story mode, you, you get the full experience, you just don't get the perks. Right, right. And so I Absolutely. think that'd be a good a good
1: way to do it. I do it. too. And, it, and there's a lot of discussion in the, uh, you know, speaking of the story mode kind of, There's a lot of discussion in the Squadron 42 about the cinematic controls. Um, You know, the team has developed better or newer cinematic controls, which allows the camera to pan from a seated player exiting seat to the outside of the vehicle and follow their progress. There's a lot of those references. Yeah. Things like that. And that does kind of make me think that that might be a, a way it's done. Um, there's also crowd audio, right? Uh, how they handle big, large groups and rooms and clusters of people. So the the cinematic aspect of the game will be extremely high. I wouldn't expect. I, yeah, I, I I kind of expect that the a the AI characters, you know, the main characters will, like, be scanning for you and say, oh, you know, I've identified X, Y, Z. And then, you know, well, do you want to further scan it? Do you want to ignore it? Do you want to shoot it? Well, you know, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that interaction is going to be key. So, Yeah. Um, uh,
2: yeah. But I do think you're right. I think something, I think yeah. we're going to be in LA. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't know if they'll go so far as to have some some gameplay. Or something wild like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, you know, Mark Hamill and, I know, was hoping Henry Cavill or something like that. And, <laughs> that would uh, you know, it'd be great and they could come and say, hey, I'm happy this is going to come up before I die. Yeah. Uh, what, kind of thing. What's ironic is, look at how much
0: Henry Cavill's star power has changed since oh, he yeah. was in. Oh, yeah squadron oh, yeah. it's not because of squadron though so now he becomes uh, now a list actor between when he recorded his list. got d-list,
2: uh, yeah. d-list uh, but he's
0: such a geek he probably will do promotions oh, yeah. for it oh, oh yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah so anyway so yeah. i think i think i think it's a safe bet so what is today it's september 18th yeah. episode i don't know what episode number this is but whatever If you did, I'd be concerned because I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going on the record as saying I am confident that there's going to be an announcement of, like, not one of these, oh, we, you know, hope to have it. It's going to be a hard, like, we're having, this thing is coming out fall of 2024. I'm think i making that date up, but I think absolutely we're going into beta next year. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. Wouldn't it be cool if they had gave you a
1: little card that had a link? to a prequel scenario
2: well I think no no stop now because if somebody's actually listening to you, you might have just extended the development by like three years. <laughs> <or so. laughs>
3: but you know what? <laughs> I,
2: if you guys remember the Stars, and we'll get back to that, if you remember the Wing Commander and the Privateer, once you were done the game, you could just keep playing anyway. They're like yeah. It was like a sandbox mode. And I'm, 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 I think I said it in another episode before, or if it was just something during a discussion, with you guys, you know, on one of the many years past, I think a sandbox mode would go far as to keeping people kind of like having fun with the game, waiting for chapter two or waiting for stuff to kind of like in a downtime like this. Um, Isn't that called the PTU though? It's not the same. It's just not yeah. the same. There's just going to be such a high level of polish, like all of a sudden your audios are going to work and you're not going to have all these weird unbalanced footsteps and stuff. Like everything's going to be what you would hope for. So, I don't know. It's just my, I would like a sandbox mode after just to kind of keep doing missions and puttering around and blowing stuff up. Yeah. Well, they might, I mean, they may include it. I. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a... I guess though that's, that's a hope, guess, right? but it's kind of hope. Yeah,
0: hope in a dream, Hopium. The one thing I will say. Uh, wait, I lost it now. What did I? Oh, there's the what we'll see at Citizen Con isn't going to be like a huge, huge thing. They said it's going to be like a really like a extended ISC.
1: That's about fine. Squadron. Anything that's about it will for, make me yep. at this
2: point. Yeah. Yep. Um. Excellent.
3: The excellent.
2: I almost said it.
0: Well, we we've been very bad citizens in the fact that we let this uh, show lapse so many weeks that we didn't even get to stay in touch with the ship showdown. But Hmm. thought it'd be good to talk through the results. Yeah. So I have my page open here because I also get to see what
2: I voted for. Um, Uh, (laughs) I, I mean, who else was surprised when the Aurora ES won? I know. I was uh, surprised when it didn't show up in there to be I able.
1: Bought, I bought my gown and everything for the red carpet and you know, what a waste they had to return it to the thrift store. Uh, so. well
0: someone someone will benefit from that and right. and other people will benefit from it not existing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so just to highlight the entire recap of the tournament, I can't remember if my vo- I can't remember how closely my votes my actual votes reflected my predictions, but I think we collectively were pretty close on a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. Um, and if if you can't tell, this was the year of not someone who got close last year. Yep. So, uh, first round, we had the Fury versus the Arrow. The Arrow won. I'm not going to go through numbers because... It's fine. That's we know right, the yeah. Most of them were close anyway. Um, then there was the Scorpius versus the Redeemer. The Redeemer won. Reclaimer versus Vulture. Vulture won, uh, as I think all of us predicted. Although maybe I, I don't know what you hope. I think you hoped for the Reclaimer. If I'm not yeah, but it was David. It's it's good shit. But yeah, yeah. I figured the Vulture would win. It was Terrapin versus Carrick, and even I voted for the Terrapin. The Terrapin yeah. won. I did too. Um, we love a, we love a comeback kid, you know, uh, shocker, the Corsair versus the Mercury, the Corsair one. Um, I can't recall which one I predicted here, but it was the Connie Andromeda versus the Cuddy Black. Uh, I voted for Cuddy Black, but the Connie won. I voted for the Connie. Uh, I think I knew, I think I felt like the Connie was going to win, but I don't know. Uh, someone could fact check me if they want. (laughs) Uh, 400i versus 600i. The 600i won. I voted for the 400i. That was a tough one.
1: I, I, that one was tough. But I, I voted 600 because mm-hmm. I do like the interior. I think it's highly, highly. Even interior. though it's going to change. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. For the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the better for sure. For the I just better. love. I just love that entrance hallway when you kind of come off the elevator and it's like, wow. I mean, on excellent. the plus side. The 600i is going to become a better ship
0: because they learned so much even after just doing the 890 jump. Um, Then the Cutter versus 890, Cutter 1, no Shocker there. And then going back, Arrow versus Redeemer, Redeemer beat out the Arrow. Vulture versus Terrapin, Shocker, Vulture 1. Corsair versus Connie Andromeda, I think we all predicted the Corsair to win, and it did. Yeah. Uh, and then 600i versus the Cutter, this was a shock for me. Um, the 600i beat the Cutter out, which because mm-hmm. I thought the Cutter
2: was so popular. But people are also talking about, uh, yeah. a lot of
0: people voted based on paints, to be There's quite a honest.
2: lot of paints for the Cutters, and there's not a lot for the, the eyes. Yeah. So. so I think that's what some of it came down to,
0: and both are probably pretty, like, 600i, I think, is a lot of people have. Um, so that's your top four. So the people getting paints, Redeemer, Vulture, Corsair, and 600i. Mm-hmm. Um, the Redeemer versus the Vulture. Vulture scrapped it. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, the Corsair versus the 600i. The Corsair blew it away. Huh? <laughs> yeah, cool. Got it. Nice. So we knew, we knew it was going to be a Drake heavy final. Yep. I, I know we said that. I thought, I thought it was going to be Redeemer. I think, if I recall, I thought it was Redeemer, Vulture, Corsair, and Cutter, but instead it was 600i. Um, but ultimately, the Corsair won. I wasn't shocked. I did vote for the Vulture, but I was happy with either one.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So the Corsair yeah. is the winner. And this year, the winners get, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, obviously the skin, but then they're also going to do in-game uh, posters. Oh, so okay. I think like the ones that we've seen in ISCs past, uh, yeah, so nice. that should be pretty cool. Um, they didn't say anything for this for the winner winner, but I I would be shocked if they didn't have some kind of special trophy or anything cause isn't it like winner <coughs> winner chicken dinner, I mean? <clears throat> something like that? But you know
2: the Carrick got a special model, not even one two models. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they could, what they could what could be pretty pretty fun is is you know how you got the. Um, your hanger bling yeah. is you every year you do up the winner for the past, you know, whatever amount of years, you do up the winner in the best in show paint. And that's something you could have as hanger flare. Yeah. So you can have like That'd a little cool. trophy case for that. I think that yeah. would be nice. But I mean, if you, look at, <laughs> if you look at it, like the 600i and the, um, I think it's in the last three years, the 600i and the <laughs> MSR have been in the top four, uh, Three out of two out of the three years each, like and the 600. it's the only one
0: that terms. it's the only one in the top four that's been in it before. No,
2: the MSR as well, I think.
0: No, no, no I mean, I mean, it's the only one currently in the top four. That's oh, been yes, in it yes, 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 yes. Well, yes, um, new faces, lots of new, lots of Drake. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, and you know, I don't even need a new paint for my vulture because I love the vulture the way it is, same with the Corsair I, I have the paints that I like, but
1: you never know maybe something interesting mm-hmm. will come along it, it, To me it's interesting um, you know why uh, you know there's a lot of influence on things like you know, which ones had paints, which ones didn't mm-hmm. uh, things like that I, I wish we could glean something around preferred size of crew mm-hmm. right? or capabilities of the ship, I mean Corsair is kind of an all arounder. it's pretty good um and I think that's a good sign. I think the ships that were in the four-person category, roughly four people in a crew, mm. seem to be, I don't know, I just feel like they have a little bit more playability from the community right now. Well, you also have to just
0: think about it. It's not just playability. It's it's cheaper to buy, therefore it's, more people have it in here yeah.
1: But I think there, you know, it used to be the big draw was like, man, I just want an Idris. I want a Banu. I want this, Yeah. You know? And those ships are way beyond the pale when it comes to crew, right? I mean, they're in the 20s, some of them. Mm. When you get into even like a hull E, I mean, that's I think, <laughs> six people along with a hull D. But four mm. seems to be a pretty sweet spot for crew size, right?
2: Well, four is a reasonable size I mean, if you think about it traditionally for any kind of RPGs or any kind of team tactic games and everything four is a sweet spot. Um, yeah. you know you'll have different roles if you go in like an RPG you're playing uh, anything or if you're doing uh, left for dead it's, it's four people I mean it's it's a it's something that people gravitate to as far as size goes because yeah. you can have everybody doing something a little bit different but still everybody doing something. Yeah, even yeah. in the current g- game iteration with the limited, limited game mechanics that we have, you throw four people on an MSR, and then you go do stuff, and everybody can do something. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, you throw four people in a Cutlass Black, and everybody will find something to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it
1: seems to be a good size, a good sweet spot. Um, we don't have a lot of three-person ships. Um and two person ships don't seem to be that popular. I mean there's a few that are, but mostly people use them as just as a place for a passenger for like picking up, right? I and mean, it's not like people are running around in the Reliant core or something just with two guys going, Hey, we're gonna split the cargo. I mean, yeah. You can yeah. each buy a coffee for the cargo profit you're gonna make.
2: So um But the Reliant, have, for example, is a good example of a good once those mechanics come out. It's a good, like science. Fun. You're going to oh, have, yeah. you, you know, the science ship with the Zen and then with yeah. the um, with the, the camera one. Yeah, um, the news you're gonna one. Need, you're going to need yeah. two people doing things.
1: Yeah, and, I, you know, there's so many variations you can make with that ship. Reconnaissance, put the camera on the military version.
2: Even the and yeah. with the master modes and the missile modes if it's working properly.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, so that's a nice little two-person ship. I'd like to see more side by sides. I agree. Like when they come up with some other ships, um, you know, some two passenger ships where you have a cockpit where you're side by side. I don't know. That's yeah. just a little preference of mine.
1: Yeah. You know, and overall, I would just say, you know, the, the competition is fun, but it does seem a little weird. Um, it doesn't seem quite as pure as, you know, where we can learn something from. It's more about a. I won't say politics, but it's certainly got its alternate distractors, right? Yeah, well, even the way that they get the
0: ships into the showdown, what I would like to see is eventually they just have subdivisions and we vote on everything instead of having this like post-bull BS um, (laughs) uh, post things and then we're going to counter whatever. I'd rather Mm -hmm. they just have us vote on everything, but we vote, you know, capital ship, favorite capital ship, or, or maybe favorite luxury ship, you know, some kind of breakdown that is a little bit better, and then have a best in show, like what was the most voted for ship.
2: Or you can maybe have like a complete free-for-all, where they have a list of every single ship, and you do preferentially. It's like, pick your top 10 ships. And then... Ooh, that's a good one. After everybody's done voting, you tally up, you pick your top 16 and then you throw it all in a hat and you randomize and So it might end up being the Carrick versus the MPUV in round one and the Corsair versus, mm-hmm. you know, the MSR in round one. So you have a really just absolute random situation and then people will just pick. But the thing is, is, look, you look at the best in shows. I, I went to the web page right now and I don't have any problems with the top four in any of the years. No, like they're all they're mean, all like I don't really, know these ships I know some people take it really to heart and they're like my ship didn't win it's like ah, you know no. what it's paint don't worry about it guys all right this is fun yeah there's exactly. a nice looking ship quirks and all yeah no it is it's a great looking ship and you know
1: and i do think it's a great ship you know and in previous years you know there's lots of, I you know all the ships look good I mean it's I look at the eight, nine, you know, just look at the Origin series. I mean, really, the 400i, the 600i, the 890 Jump are all so unique in design, right? They have really fit that, you know, bazillion-dollar ship, I'm the wealthiest guy in the universe <laughs> style. You mm-hmm. look at Drake's and it's like, I'm all about business, <laughs> whatever that business may be, um, you know. They're they're on it. I think they've really got it down pretty well. But um, I'm a, I'm excited to see when we get through the backlog. You know, which is going to be a while, but it'll happen when we start looking at what's going to be added. You know, every quarter as this thing goes into full blown production. You know, mm-hmm. um, like another ship a uh, ship design show off would be fantastic. Right? I thought there were some really cool ships that came out of that. Hmm. Um,
0: so yeah. Wow, I I'm surprised we could talk so much about the ship showdown, but I'm sure. glad we did.
2: Oh yeah, um, <laughs> we could talk about a lot of stuff for a long time if you just yeah. don't rein us in every now and then. Yeah. I mean
0: I'm not here to rein in. <laughs> nobody nobody complains about how long episodes are FYI. Well, yeah, I yeah. love
2: them. When I go for my long runs, is I'm you know, because I'll I will i i I run long distances. And I throw in the old two-and-a-half-hour podcast, and away we go. And I'm gone for, you know, 18 miles. That's it's funny feels, because it's, it's, sometimes I get the runs
1: for a long period of time. Ah, and beautiful. then I listen to that's an episode.
2: Here and I don't even like to drive 18 miles. So <laughs> I mind <laughs> running 18 <I'm two> miles. <laughs> Still, I think some people do like the long format, and nothing stops you from just pausing it and well, finishing it. it later. That's, that's, that's right. the thing. I think, and
0: that's how I am with podcasts yeah. I listen to. So, awesome. all right. <laughs> well. That, I think, brings us to, because we don't have a captain's log this week. Yep. I think it brings us to tips and tricks, Um, (laughs) which is from weeks ago. (laughs) Um, Cybear said, when I was a blue-eyed and bushy-tailed upstart, these tips were given to me by a sly old double dog enjoying veteran. And they have seen me through well over a year of hauling on the regular without having ever been pirated. as so I said, don't be greedy. Do not go to a third-party web- website and simply search for the most profitable goods and routes. Pirates do the exact same thing. The number of times I've seen haulers cry in chat about their lost gold is too damn high. Choose the lowest possible profit you feel is acceptable for the time invested. Be quiet. Do not talk in chat about what you're doing. And certainly... Not about where you were where you're doing it. If anyone asks uh, anyone asks you directly why. Be fast. When purchasing goods, anything more than two minutes between landing and takeoff is too slow. Why risk being discovered by a pirate patrol just because you wanted to loot some bottles of cruise? Stay safe. Ideally choose routes where all your stops are within armistice zones. These zones are not 100% safe, but they are better than nothing. Be paranoid. If you detect an unknown target already landed or hovering at at or near your destination, abort your approach. There are no white or blue targets in the verse, only red. Be unpredictable. Always do dogleg jumps when laden. This will lower the risk of being interdicted from small to insignificant. P.S. These tips do not apply to smugglers, as I consider that a separate game loop with its own challenges. Um, and funny enough, Canuck, you re- you replied to Cyber, uh, as a
2: matter of fact. Do you remember what you replied? Yeah, something along, I don't have it open, but I think yeah. I, I remember that was something along the lines of, that's all true, but that's not the game I want to play. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I want. I don't want to not, I don't want to mistrust everybody to that level. Yeah. Well, and and I think and that's pretty much what you said. Yeah.
0: I think that's also just a function of we don't have
2: full law mechanics in the game. No. And, but it also, sounds like Eve, Eve Online nullsec or Eve yeah. Online lowsec living.
0: But also Cyber, I don't follow any of those and I've been pirated very minimally, Um, very minimally. So I've had more issues with game issues than than being pirated in terms of losing my cargo, for sure. Now, will that change someday? Sure. But I think in Stanton, I think you're 80% safe, 20% vulnerable. Down the road, at least. And then, uh, by the way, Cyber said very fair feedback and very understandable. The tips are intended for people who want to minimize
2: risk and not necessarily
0: maximize fun.
2: Um, Yeah. Um, yeah. Give me one sec. I'm just uh, stepping away because I discovered my cat opened the screen door and went outside. So I'm just going to go get my cat. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. But Cyber was right, though. I mean, if you want to be really safe. But I do have a tip before I leave. For yeah. new players, when you get into your hangar, don't wait till you launch before hitting F2 and choosing your destination. Always choose your destination first. So that way, the second you start coming out of your hangar, you can begin aligning to your jump, and it's much mm-hmm. safer that way. It is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because then by the time you're far enough away from the station or you're not obstructed, you're already ready to go.
1: Yeah. Back in a sec. I wonder if you can jump directly
0: from your hangar if you're lined up. If it was lined up, I think you could. Oh, that would be cool. I don't but I don't, I've now. never, I rarely, I don't think I've seen that happen where it's completely lined up like that. Maybe I right could, out the entrance. Yeah. But even, even then, I have a feeling quantuming is going to change a little bit where there might yeah. be obstructions to a straight path and it'll yeah. have to navigate for you. That'd be fun. though. That'd be really cool to do. Yeah. Um Funny enough, when I went to the bathroom, I also went and got another whiskey because I felt like I could just sneak mm. a little bit of time. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, you know, I love a little whiskey on a Monday. Absolutely. Now the question is, do we wait for Canuck to come back oh, do to me, the next one? Yeah, all right. Well, uh So then Zim, his tip and trick was... Also, for people who aren't necessarily confident in combat or don't have the money to potentially lose to an engagement gone wrong. So that's 100%. I mean, I, you know, and, and you know, tell me your thoughts, but I don't find piracy that dangerous right now. Do you, Seagard?
1: No, and and we've talked, you know, we've had guys on the show that were pirates, and their groups were really struggling to get membership. Yeah. Damn. No, they can be very good. You know, you can get swarmed, and yeah, certainly. But I think, uh, I think ships that are crude, uh, especially when we get AI gunners and things like that, I think there's going to be a reasonable chance of getting away. Um, mm. I think the only one I, the only thing I really don't like right now is EMPs. Um, yeah, I mean, they're so powerful right now that you know they literally just. You know, like I got t- taken down in about thirty seconds. I mean, literally, and uh, not a chance. You know, in atmosphere, I would like to have you know, some ability to modify my ship to give me a better chance, right? Mm. Trade-offs, right? And that you could you could do that in uh, Eve Online. I mean, you had these abilities to—I don't know what they're called—but they basically quant they they canceled out portion of the power that you were being hit with Mm -hmm. um and some ships came with a you know a out-of-the-box capability that was like level one defensive they were just kind of immune to certain So like a direct counter essentially yeah and so you could stack up to three of them uh and then if they had enough power to hold you down they could like a much bigger ship could hold you down but you know a rowboat with an emp on it could not hold you back right i mean you're just going to blow, you know, pull away from them. Um, so that, I I think, is um, EMPC, the only thing that really kind of worried me with um, pirating. Yeah. And yeah. You shoot me up, you shoot me up, you blow my shields down, you drag me out of space. That is fantastic. But I have no, and that's good gameplay, but I have no way to defend myself against EMPCs. You know what? Lose power and crash.
2: Well, and you're touching on something that I think is one of the challenges for a lot of a lot of games, especially MMOs, is stuns and staggers and holds. Um, they're really really easy, and this is, you know, leading into. Remember a while ago they were talking about. Uh, having guns, <clears throat> excuse me, with certain stat, like the shotgun, for example, if you shoot somebody close enough, they have that stagger effect. Right. and They're thinking of using, you know, some holds and some stun grenades and all that kind of stuff. That's really hard to balance. That's, it is yeah, and it can make somebody's gaming session really unfun, really fast. Right. So yeah, very much the same as you're worried about. Like if it's just not fun, there's no counter to it and you just die, Correct. it's yeah. no good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to have it so that, you know, something. I it was something I envisioned way back a couple of years ago, and I said, wouldn't it be cool if you had something like a hull sea that's getting ready to jump? He's got to run to get to, to speed or whatever, to align, and he's being kind of impeded by ships. Um, think of them as, like, virtual harpoons or like, embedded in the side of the ship. They're trying to drag him to a stop. If he jumps, he basically rips those ships apart, right? I mean, it, he's just so massive. Um, you know, it's kind of like whales. You know, in the old days when they had the whales and the whaling boats, if, if, you know, if the whale dove, <laughs> it's bad day for the crew. <laughs> they're, they're getting yanked out. The boats are getting torn apart. The little boats, uh, and I think that's, you know, I think that's uh, something. You know it's, it's kind of cool if you could have that kind of balance. The um, smaller the ship, you know, probably easier to stop. Yeah. But anyway, I, I don't want to delay the game anymore by any more years. But <laughs> yeah, you know, EMPs are tough. And Now it's like, well, how will space whales
0: behave? <laughs> it's right <laughs> here like, yeah. right next to them. <laughs> um, very cool. So that, see, I'm trying to find new transitions. That brings us to For Science. So <laughs> well, I can't even say this week, you know, many weeks ago now, <laughs> CM Fries had right. said, um, when doing bunkers, don't use a shotgun or grenade. Use the GP-33 grenade launcher. I don't know why it's better than the regular grenade, but it will destroy three to four pallets of contraband as the shotgun and throwable grenade uh, do two or three boxes. The red boxes around the bunker also do the same as the GP-33. You get enough money per pallet to buy three mags or so, and so uh, so you make money shooting. Uh, by shooting them. You will need less than 30 max to finish.
2: Use a different gun for NPCs and players. So, use the grenade launcher. Yep. If you're just blowing up stuff, you're not worried about collateral damage, that thing's really nice. All right, excellent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I notice it. I said excellent. I noticed it, too. Like, it's... I actually like the grenade launcher a lot, but sometimes I accidentally
2: hit, you know, team members. Yes. Yeah. But, and that's fair. I mean, if you're going to have a a, a, a a high splash damage weapon, you should have to use some kind of judgment before you start. Yeah. It's just as much as grenades and just as much as, you know, friendly fire. Very much so. <laughs> um, Let's see
0: how many variations of something I can come up with. There you go. Um, does anyone else have
2: anything for science connect? Uh, I I have been for sciencing, but somewhat counterintuitively, I've been looking at Starfield, and I've been thinking little things like this is something that is nice that would be fun to see or because there are similar things there are similar game mechanics there's, there's exploration their exploration for example is similar to what you have in No Man's Sky so I kind of ask myself when CIG gets around to kind of doing the mechanic for example the exploration would I be satisfied with you know the No Man's Sky or the starfield approach of getting close to something and scanning it with an HUD. Um, and so I've been kind of mucking about like even the inventory on your ship. I don't know if you've played starfield or not, I have but haven't, I haven't um, there's localized inventory on your ships. Like you can open, you can have a, a cargo area or a habitat area with different storage areas. And so if you want, you can put just guns in one box, or you can put just resources in another box. True, when you're selling, you can just get from certain ship inventories, but those inventories aren't accessible when you're selling. So it's kind of like, you know, before people start kind of, oh, we're going to get stuck with all these different boxes, I'm going to have to remember where I put my pencils to put them in my pencil case. Well, a game like Starfield, that is still pretty simple in in a lot of respects compared to what Star Citizen is trying to do they have that. Nobody seems to be complaining too much about the inventory system. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not quite as restrictive as Star Citizen, um, but there's inkling. So I'm kind of looking at it as, you know, oh, Star Citizen is doing something similar or could I see something similar? Because at a certain point, CIG is going to have to cut bait and start coming up with some mechanics. And, um, you know... Uh, I think they've come to terms with the fact that the tractor beam is going to be the means to move everything in Star Citizen Uh, I know they were kind of messing with trolleys and stuff Um, but why would you ever put something on a trolley with wheels if you could just tractor beam it Mm. Uh, it makes no sense I know Super Mac Brothers is a guy who you really, oh you know they're going to come up with trolleys and carts and stuff Why? why would you need any of that you, you hit it with the tractor beam and you tractor it over to where you want it. That's going to snap onto a cargo grid. I mean, I more see like
0: a version of the Drake, um, what's it called? Cutter. now? mule. A mule, sorry, yeah. A mule or even the Misk Fury tractor beaming things like something small, quick to move, tractor beaming big boxes.
2: Over a distance. Yeah. Like you're not yeah. going to tractor beam something 20 kilometers.
1: Yeah. No. I see it as pallets, right? So you may use tractor beams or hand to stack items onto a pallet. But Mm -hmm. then ships like the Cutlass Black or the Taurus
2: could then tractor beam that entire pallet into the grid. Yes, but you're still not using trolleys. Correct. Correct. Like you don't even need a trolley for a body. And yeah. in fact, unless the, unless they decide to go with some kind of convoluted using tractor beams on disabled people, the forces are such that it damages the person worse than putting them on a gurney to move them yeah. around. Um, the gurney becomes just the treatment bed. Um,
1: so I do think, you know, like, um, I do think you could see trolleys and things that we, at poorer outposts, less developed outposts, right? Oh, that's um, a good point, actually, right? Um, um, maybe. Even... In you know, in the real world, there are coastal ships that are specially equipped with their own loading and offloading equipment, cranes and stuff on the deck specifically for places that don't have
2: a true port. Yes,
1: agreed. Right? And with I think, you've and got I to think th-
2: that stuff is cool. If you could add those additional equipment, right? it would be nice. And I, and I think for an immersion point of view, that would be kind of nice, like very much like the raft having the drop down mm-hmm. kind of, but if you've got a, a, a handheld tractor beam or a, a size, we'll call it a size two tractor beam that yeah. can pick up a 32 SCU that tow, would work. 20 Absolutely. ton, then again, you don't need, <clears throat> yes, you would load it onto a truck and then drive it for, you know, I think there'll be trailers before there would be trolleys. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yep. No.
0: I think a trolley would be kind of... I can't picture a trolley being big enough to justify loading multiple boxes unless no. they're like
1: 8th SCU.
2: I think it would be a prop for, for NPCs to push around.
1: Maybe you, The original design concept they had was like a set of handles that you would clip to the outside of a, a pallet. Basically, you would link a bunch of boxes together and then mm-hmm. you could... Clip a set of handles to them, and it would basically levitate them, and then you would push them around. Yeah, but you still have mass and inertia, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be less common.
2: Uh, yeah, I think I think again, it's not. We're we're kind of uh, I moved it away from tips and tricks, but they're um, <laughs> for science well, I rather. A, uh, sorry, I I gotta, for science, I, but. I got one for yeah. science.
1: It wasn't I, one that I came up, with. I actually heard so it great. from Salty Mike's podcast. Um, and they were talking about the they're talking about the Cutlass Sea. And he was actually he was actually well, this is really funny because I'm talking about Salty Mike's podcast where he was watching Nubifier's review of architectural review of the whole sea.
0: Morphologist, uh, you mean
1: uh, morphologist? Yeah, morphologist. And but they mentioned the fact that the whole sea. Could act, You could actually blow the the cargo panels off of a hull, hull C particularly, and it would spawn cargo boxes as a ship as if a ship had been destroyed, right? So you don't get the whole contents of what's on that wing that comes off the panel, but you do get a portion of it. And mm. I thought that was an interesting for science. That means you'll probably be able to target those. Uh, Which I think is, that's that's kind of a cool thing, right?
2: As long as they're sturdier than the Reliant Wings. Yes, yes. Well, they've kind of fixed that now, I think. They're much better now than the Reliant. They are, and that's, again, that's a balancing issue, and they have to make sure that their failure points are are both reasonable and (laughs) well-placed. But, yeah, so my first science, just to kind of close it off, has been actually looking at, another space game and saying what would work what would be interesting what is nice in this that we see or what is not so i've just been kind of comparing and mucking about because like i said i putter i putter in the other one too i'm like three missions in while well, some people would be done the game i'm like 20 hours in or something over the last couple of weeks
3: yeah
2: and uh, i haven't i think i'm like level eight <laughs> yeah yeah you know, we have several we have several people are playing a lot so i'm dad mode i'm dad speed for everything well, that's me too,
1: yeah. I, I probably will it, yeah. play
2: it here soon. I probably will. I might wait until, um,
0: strangely enough, I might wait till the holidays. Yeah. yeah. Strange. I mean, I don't know why, but probably just because I have a whole week off usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still focused on DCS and stuff. And And especially because now, oh, we didn't even talk about 320 supposed to launch tomorrow. Is that, is that what you are aiming for, is tomorrow? Yeah, that's what they stated today. Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks. That's why I said get your screenshots of of Port Olisar now because, you know,
1: um, it's not going to be there. Now, the whole C is not coming with 320, right? It is. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah. the whole C will be...
2: So so there's a a patch watch then?
0: Huh. Yeah, they mentioned... uh, they said it today for uh, this week in Star Citizen. I think, hoping,
2: um, hoping to have it out tomorrow. So we'll see. Oh, cool! Because Netzmej was saying that he was in BTU and it's it's really it's really performing well apparently. Yeah, that's that's
0: the the word. So maybe the new testing process is working well. I don't know because I haven't tested. So yeah. I am. Um, not a good actor in that regard, but I, just, <laughs> I'm as, faithful, but I'm not testing the testing. I, it's just, it's not even. It's just too challenging for me to actually get it done because mm-hmm. it it gives me so many problems, and then I have to install the game every single time they update a patch. Mm-hmm. If if they could fix that, and I can't find a, a work around that's actually doable. Yeah. So, alrighty. Well, that brings us to our next segment, which is Seagard's question. All righty. So many, many moons ago at this point... Um, Seaguard had asked the question, "What is the market rate for a player crewman?" Uh, and that was sort of from Lusteroth. Um, yeah. So essentially, what do you pay a crew member, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So Big Mac said, "How much you pay a crew member depends on what you want them to do and how long they work for you. If you need a gunner to help with you to help you with your bounties and stuff." You can give them a third of what you earn. If you need someone to join you for more trips like hauling cargo or flying around, you can pay them 50K an hour. That sounds fair to me. Our good friend, Kilgore Fliget, or Fligit. I don't even know how to fly it. The well, there's not an H though. Fliget. Fliget. Kilgore. Let's just say Kilgore. Um. Bread and water chains of seats. That's right. <laughs> well he said, "What coin is demanded by those who pledge allegiance to the void as crewmen upon a ship captained by a spacefaring reaver? In the abysmal chasms between worlds where the echoes of celestial storms harmonize with the mouthful, mournful wails of distant nubuli, the denizens of lawless barter, their very souls for a chance to tread the accursed decks of a bona fide marauding vessel. Tales of the fear-stricken and helpless serve as grim lullabies to those daring enough to seek fortune amidst the wreckage of conquered travelers. It is a pact sealed in cosmic ink, signed in the blood of the forsaken, and witnessed by the merciless gaze of the cosmos that have seen eons of galactic turmoil unfold. unfold. Uh, Get on the boat for the sake of murder, basically. So go. is that an even split, Kilgore?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does it does highlight that, you know um, like Sigar's question was what's the market rate for a crewman? Well, clearly if you're if you're out for the uh for the blood sport, then the sport itself is correct. The blood well, is payment, right? I mean if just
0: using the term market and there's more answers, but using the term market rate means <laughs> whatever someone's willing to accept to do the job and whatever you're willing to pay to, to hire yeah. someone. Right. Ultimately. Yeah. So that might change depending. Um, I LA, think there's
1: opportunity, like there's an opportunity cost, right? When they serve yeah. with you, what opportunity are they foregoing? Also, what
0: benefits are you providing? Right. Correct. Like, do yeah. you have all the equipment they need? Yeah. You know, are you going to yeah. pay for their resurrection or whatever? Um, LA32344 <laughs> said, it depends on what the crew member is doing and how good they are at doing it. A high-ranked turret gunner would be hired for no less than 20k AU- AUEC, I think. Lars said, right now, for me, an even split of net profit for all crew. Cybear said, the only multi-crew gameplay I do is mole mining, and like Lars, I do split the net profits evenly. Zim said, plus one for splitting the profits. It's hard to give a universal set rate when different gameplay types pay such wildly different amounts per hour, and even that often varies with luck. Kilgore uh, followed up with, if I have a crew on a mole that I recruited from Discord and aren't part of my org, then I'm going to kill them all before we get to the refinery not pay them at all. Very Joker-like Kilgore, essentially. He's like, I killed the
1: bus driver. You're going to pay the retraining cost every time you do that, though. Uh, I mean, he's well, your reputation is
2: going to take a hit once they put yeah. reputation if you start killing everybody that works yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: But for now, kill Gargle. <laughs> kill your Kill them all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more the fan of uh, if you're doing exploration or you're doing like if you're doing mining. I think fifty percent to the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship, rest is split by the crew, um, and there's a minimum fee you pay them, right? Maybe it's twenty thousand per. Uh, as the owner, so if you make nothing because you're incompetent as the captain, which is my case, you'll pay, you know, sixty thousand out twenty each of them, um, and then like science, or you know, on on exploration it's a really interesting one because. You could do it based on the bounty, that, you know, the the bountiful fines that you're going to make, and you're all going to split it. On the other hand, you could just pay him a really good salary and say so you don't get any of the earnings from what we find. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what you get, it's like, oh, wow.
2: That you might a get a bonus, bonus if you're lucky. All yeah, right.
1: maybe
0: a bonus. I, my question will be, how well will the game facilitate that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that's offline. I think that's yeah. off record. it. Or maybe, I mean,
0: I think the game could set some kind of contract system up where we could mm-hmm. eventually, like, honor those things. But yeah. who knows if they want to go that far.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But even a game like EVE Online, which is, you know, particularly spreadsheety for a lot of that stuff, um, you agree to the pay and then, Generally, it's an org operation, and everybody knows what their cut's going to be. And at the end of the thing, you might get a deposit the next day once somebody's done calculating the value of everything. And You just know that money's coming your way by the time you're done the op. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's mostly handled out of engine, as it were. Yeah. Whereas you know selling products yeah. and stuff, if you could maybe contract material or contract ships or contract stuff like that, but payment, um, you know, you can you can have somebody on the side give them a little bit extra or something, little side deals and stuff. It's all out of game.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, Lusteroth is the guy who came up with that question, and we we've, we've talked about this in the past. But he also has a very unique business model that he's using in game, and it, it's I think it's a great idea. I I don't want to spoil it. Maybe we'll have him on here one day and he can talk about it. But uh, you know, he's he's playing, and uh, he he's is in a, effect.
0: I mean, I feel like i guys. Yeah, I feel like an easy way to say it is he's making investments and in making other people do the work. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, so he's, good, he's nice investing thing. capital. Yes. And other people are putting people who find it more appeasing or appetizing will do the work. Correct. So he's like, an, he's like, an, he's like a, yeah, I guess he's ultimately an investor. Yeah. Um, Genly Annoyed said, tough question. The split concept presented earlier is a great, friendly way to do business. This runs against the capital capitalist privateering nature of the subject matter, no? The wage paid should be enough to lift the player above the riffraff, but not enough to allow them to become a competitor. Nurturing dependency so that you always have a ready crew to exploit the cosmos with. To be honest, I have no idea, but the soul pledge was pretty compelling. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, that was some real poetic stuff, Kilgore, by the way. Yes. Clearly captivated. Is that from your van days in the ski lodge or what? That's right. And do we have to worry about you pirating us in game again? Because right. you're slightly more active. So do we have to keep an eye out for you? Um, we'll
1: just pay him hush money or like, you know, protection. Yeah, and I, and I really think if you really want to be what you're describing as kind of typical pirate if you want to be a rough pirate you got to do what I heard today and that's you have to take the ashes of your foes and your favorite pets and have them combined with the ink and your tattoos so they always reside with you Hmm. wow that's real Viking-esque no less. I actually heard that today that it was someone who had their pets they used their ashes and had it mixed with ink and had them tattooed onto their arm I mean I've heard of that for sure yeah <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> yeah.
0: that's a bit intense yeah. I would be uh, I mean that's too much for me. I have one tattoo about to get another one soonish, but like that's too much um and then quinine, my favorite ingredient in tonic that makes it so that you don't get malaria, so <laughs> I only play with friends, and I always split the
1: profitly, profit yeah. evenly with them. We face. do that now, yeah. yeah. In fact, a lot of times, we don't even keep any for ourselves. We just give it to the crew. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, it'll be interesting to see, and, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes when persistence truly matters. I know we're in, like, no. a, it sort of matters, but, like, you know, if I'm risking my ship and my investments, I probably want a little bit bigger of a cut. Maybe not, you know, fifty percent, but maybe thirty percent.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the thing is, is you you put your you put your finger right on the point. Is currently, again, it's alpha, it's a UEC. It doesn't really matter. Um, okay. There's no real economy, uh, so. And and ship costs and ship upkeep and wear and tear on items and all that stuff, um, you know, it, it, like, you know, when when you can buy a, a, a double dog for five UEC, uh, a missile for a hundred UEC, and it costs a three thousand UEC for a duster, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'd rather just hey pay me and pay me in pay me in, uh, in uh, clothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it does tell I mean, That means I can put my coat on a missile, put a hot dog on the end and fire and it at the enemy.
2: <laughs> that's right. So, but I think you're, the, you put your finger on it. Exactly. Is it, that's a like, it's, it's a fun thing to kind of figure right now. Yeah. Um, cause you know, you do have to pay people to do stuff. I mean, people aren't going to like, you can't, I would be the one who is, if I'm running a multi crew, it's like, guys, if we make any money, knock yourselves out. Cause as long as I've got enough to fill the ship at the end of the night, uh, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, once the real economy is laid out and our real expenses are figured out, then you have no choice but to be more careful with what you're paying. The economy mm-hmm. team is now in function,
1: though. They are an actual team now, so. Yeah, Did but you, there's just too many
2: mechanics missing currently. And yeah, too many. I agree. Yeah.
0: Okay. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I think on the plus side, I think once they balance things out, there'll be a reason to do everything that we do. The question will be, right now, are we seeing most of what we're doing being hyper-rewarded? And we're going to see a drop in that? Or are we under-rewarded? And it's hard to say because there's going to be a lot more... Sunken costs and things, you know, rent, renting a hangar, renting a hab, uh, potentially storage for your goods, all might have costs that we don't know about yet. Plus, I suspect everything
2: rents. will, because yeah. they need they need what you call faucets and drains. you yep. can't just print money. Yeah. Do you think they're going to go to
1: paper UEC first or? Right to Bitcoin, digital currency. <laughs> 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 uh, well, so, be uh, backed by anything? Can't can't Lace. say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> They're gonna go to Shiba Inu, so everybody who's got any Shiba, it's all gonna go up in price now that we said. <laughs> and then my two million Shiba Inu are gonna be worth a penny each, and <laughs> I can retire. <laughs> Gonna raise llama on a small moon.
0: Alrighty, so that brings us to the Q and A, which Quinine posted here as well, and he said, "This is my first question here." Uh, and he asked it a little bit before the well, way before the episode we just saw last week. How do you guys think persistent hangars will work? Uh-huh. Will they fit multiple ships? And when it's full, how will I take one out? Like, if I fly to a full hangar with a ship that comes from another hangar, how will I switch when there's no place to land my current ship? Uh, English is not my native language, so I hope this makes sense. It makes total yeah. sense, why right? Uh What do you think, uh, Canuck, how will well, we,
2: they work? We Actually, got a they didn't
0: bit. talk about this, but... No, we got of-
2: a little bit of a kind of an inkling, but um, if you remember... Uh, Uh, The guy from the Montreal studio, he did mention that you would have your initial personal hangar. But then if you wanted to have ships elsewhere, we'd look into having to be able to put in something where you can rent. Mm. Um, But it's a good question because the thing is, is back in the day, when you buy a ship, you'd also get a hangar model. Uh, So the question, you know, which hangar model do you use? How big is it? how do you call those ships do you start using the the elevators um, you know do you have magic storage mm-hmm. where you can put a ship on a freight elevator depending on the size of your hangar. and it gets stored and you just call it up cuz a lot of people have a lot of ships like sea has got a lot of ships yeah i need at least a, i need you're going to need a planet. That'll hold, yeah at least at least one planet maybe two yeah. So no matter the size of your hangar, correct. It's you can't have everything out. Yeah. So are they gonna are they also gonna have like a little kind of like an ATC system within your personal hangars? And I like I asks is is yeah. clearly you're gonna have to rent like if you say, Okay, I land at a at, at a place where I don't personally own a hangar, hmm. well you're gonna be paying like right now you just land in store. Mm-hmm. But going forward It's going to be instanced. So you're going to land and it's going to be, all right, what size do you want? It's going to cost you 2,000 UEC per day.
0: Yeah, there'll definitely be a storage fee for sure.
2: Is that storage fee going to be an offline fee or is it just, you know, 2,000 cycles in game? That's Mm, a good question. I don't know. It would be interesting if you could uh, probably pay
1: for how long you want it for. Maybe. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if uh, personal hangars were limited on the size, right? So you had like a commercial, if you want to pull a Kraken out, right? You can go down to a, a place and, and basically have the valley parking, bring it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> put it, well, put it next to the ship. But, you know, it doesn't mean you can't fly your freelancer over and land it on there and download the cargo into the Kraken, right? Um so I think I don't know we have the answer to that, but I don't, I think we can safely say that they're not going to make the hangars super large just because you have a super large ship. There's going to be some constraint to the hanger. Um, like they used to have the little dot system, right? You could use two mm. dots to bring in a medium or three dots to bring in a large. Um, and then I think you're also still going to have some form of the terminal uh, to order your ship outside, like Halsey or uh, Carrick. Things that can be docked will be docked. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious of a couple things.
0: Well, one, ideally, I'd like the idea that, like, maybe if I had an extra large hangar, and I'm not talking about being crazy, but like, I could picture. Instead of having a large hanger, ordering an extra large hanger for my carrick, because I don't want to have to deal with landing Just in a large the paint. Yeah,. Right. And right. having enough room to land my Pisces, because I have t- the two, I have the medical and the regular, and like having a little bit of room for some of those smaller ships if I wanted to in that hangar. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the system will be able to distinguish between the two ATC calls.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think one ATC call, like, I-, I think the system will be able to. It'll just really be a question of how they're going to deal with... Because you essentially would have two options. Let's just kind of go along the lines. Let's just say, for the sake of Quinine's question, you only own small ships, Mm. all right? So nothing bigger than, say, like a a Nomad. You could have... If you have a hangar to, like, say say you've got 10 ships, you can kind of go Jay Leno showing off his motorcycles in his garage. You know, you kind of walk into a place, and they're all, all... You know, you've got your paints. You've got your custom paints that you like, and you can. And you're walking down all, you know, a line of your ships, like it's almost almost like a dealership, like a traditional, very very large garage for a very very well to do person, right? Yeah. Um, But at the same time, if you have a smaller hangar, but you've got a lot of ships, are they going to give us a kind of like a Covalex box system for ships? Where you're gonna call the ship, it's gonna open up the door and it I don't know, it comes out like on some kind of a system. Yeah. So you, like almost like an Elite Dangerous where you'd have like mm-hmm. that kind of elevator system. Yeah. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind if you want. But that works till you get to like what constellation size? Yeah. Yeah. After that, are the ships gonna despawn at all? Will it, will will an Idris an Idris despawn? It's, you can't park it anywhere. You can't. Sure as heck can't pull it into a hangar. Uh, it just fits in an extra large hangar. Does it fit in the extra large
0: hangar? Yeah. All right. So we'll say we and, go and a Kraken. I think should also.
2: Okay. So if okay, I thought I thought it I thought it didn't fit in the extra large. So I, I, think, I guess yeah, you I could park I think it. Does, I
0: think it does. The, that that's my understanding. A one okay. doesn't. Okay. Sure. So okay. So then, a javelin, then. but then yeah, like then. So, so that was my other question: is how they're going to do with persistent docking?
2: Is it just going to be persistent, and they'll have a docking yard? I don't know. And you'll have to take like a, a shuttle out to like a, a yard where there's ships, and then and then also like I think of think of
0: the cargo gameplay of ships that can only be docked. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like, like Holly, like that's what I'm, well, Holly's a little bit different where I would imagine they're going to, well, maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe a javelin has to go to a cargo center as well. But then I think about the way something like a javelin loads cargo. I don't know if it has a dedicated cargo area that like, to me, I just picture, a. Um, an elevator lowering or something. Keep talking. Be right back. And then that just seems so out of place.
2: In space. Yeah. Yeah, like, those are, like, obviously those are questions that they're going to have to look at. Even a hammerhead. Quietines question is a good question because it's kind of like, well, we'd have a pretty good guess for a certain size of ship. Mm. But once you get to, like, big ships, then the mechanics of just size and, and, and game don't work anymore. Yeah, my fear is that they don't have this figured out. No, I I I don't would we see would, would we we see that there's a lot of things I I would say I worry about, but that's a pretty like figuring out how are going to deal with a javelin? It's pretty far off. They've got other things to worry about mm. before worrying about okay, what do we do True. with them? Cuz you could theoretically just ferry people and they may
0: just gamify it Same way we're dealing with the whole scene now They may just gamify it until they can figure out A more elegant solution
2: mm-hmm. Exactly But you're right about like certain certain Loading mechanics work well In space and others don't
0: I mean like look uh, even Not even in space A carrick. Loading a Carrack's cargo oh, is going to require pain. The cargo box, the cargo containers To open up the way they're supposed to Mm -hmm. and lower the way they're supposed to. If they don't have that solved, then they have to either gamify it because there's no way you're putting a 32 SCU container through those doorways.
2: No. And if you can, you wouldn't want to. No, it would be torture. Well, it'd be silly. Somebody would say, who designed it this way? This is crazy. Then again, I think, and
0: I'm coming from obviously an enthusiast standpoint, I'm struggling to figure out why it has that much cargo capacity. I could understand some of those being something different, like a science pod or something like that, but pure Mm -hmm. cargo, that's a lot of cargo. I mean, yeah, maybe that means you have extra fuel in one of those or whatever the case, and then that that helps you go out for a longer period of time. Yeah, I think
2: that might be a little bit of a um, again, if you kind of you know, even when the, the, the vehicle gameplay guys were talking, this, we, we do mechanics or we do uh, balance, we'll call it balancing, hmm. performance for what the game is currently. Yeah. And I think when they brought out the Carrick, the only gameplay was cargo. Yeah. So they said, well, let's build a ship that can hold a lot of stuff and then at least people will be able to fly around with this arguably wonderful ship. Mm-hmm. But that's, there's nothing else you can do with it right now. That being said, a lot of those, you know how like the, you know you've got the gang, the hallways and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I've not been in a carrot for a while, but if you set up an elevator system, not an elevator system, but a hatch system, right below, are the are those containers in the lower part of the ship? <laughs> So, yeah, so essentially the way
0: those containers are supposed to work is they're supposed to drop down and they're supposed to have a clamshell design similar to the Caterpillar. Yeah. And then it's supposed to be pretty easy to load it up.
2: That's what you would need.
0: Yeah. But they would need to do that before they introduce cargo elevators and, or at at least at the same time, unless (laughs) they're trying to restrict... How you load ships. You know what I mean? Like, that's why you know that feature is so far off because they need
2: all the ships ready to be manually loaded. Yes. Okay, in order yes. to introduce yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. They simply won't slap it on because yeah, they're going it's to not look like, at,
0: It's not like a test bed there.
2: No, they're going to look at it and say, okay, we, need, we know these need to drop down. Yeah. You know, so now we're going to look at a me- mechanism that we can use to, you know, maybe using the mechanic of like the Constellation drop down cargo. Mm. But you still have to put in, you know, the the pistons and, and the engineering mm-hmm. necessary to drop it down, which mm-hmm. would require. Now, obviously, the Carrick isn't Gold Pass yet, so yeah. that might be something that that Art is already looking at. Yeah, for me, I would have thought a Carrick needed the space for things like an
1: extra, a spare rover, spare drones, engine yes. parts.
2: Well.
1: Um, and- But also to return scientific artifacts, right? But like he he
2: says, you need a better way to access all that. There's no point in having a rover in there.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and the other thing, I mean, this falls into a lot of the ships, like even the whole sea. You look at the components inside of Carrick, and you can't get them through the doors to get to engineering. Yeah. And that's the same as the whole sea.
2: But could it then be argued, like, okay, you're CIG. You have a choice. You can rebuild all your ships to accommodate for the cargo for the components, or you can say component size s- small, extra small, size one, zero one, and two are removable and replaceable, and the rest you come up with an engineering to repair.
0: Like so, you repair pieces. I mean, that's, that's right. my thought process as to like how they might handle it. Or they might just decide to find a some other solution. I, I don't. Truthfully, it doesn't bother me whatever they do, because I know, in that respect, I actually feel like they're going to come up with something fun, mm-hmm. um, or at least doable and not too obtrusive.
2: Yeah.
3: I, well, they could even they could go the road. have a lot
2: of faith, though. <laughs> well. It's like it, you know. Like if you're, if you're, like, well, let's just say ships are very much like, you know, like boats or ships. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're an, an enthusiast and you have a smaller boat, you work on your boat. Mm-hmm. You can pull components, you can replace your, your pumps and everything. But if you've got a uh, sixty, uh, hundred twenty-seven foot, twenty-nine million dollar yacht, you're not DIY, You're not DIYing that. Yeah, you're not <laughs> working at it at home. <laughs> pulling, it out of the, pulling it out of the dock, putting it the, in your driveway yeah. and, and working on it yourself, you have to bring it to a dry dock. So perhaps they're going to say, you know, like ships that are the size of 600 eyes and bigger, those are ships that are actually, you can repair them and maintain them. But if stuff really breaks, you can kind of tape it back together, but you have to bring it in and it's dry docked. I don't see that happening from
0: the standpoint of some of these ships are meant to be out there and self sufficient. Right. That's the only thing that I think of. And that's why I bring up the carrick so much is because it's supposed to be now maybe maybe what ultimately happens is components don't get damaged as much as subcomponents do. Mm-hmm. Cause that's right. like a whole nother subset. And we've seen subcomponents for what? four plus years, five, six years now mm. they've talked about it. So we know it's a real thing and they've talked about it continuously, even through the power management and resource system or resource mm-hmm. management system. But like, I don't know, it's hard. It's hard for me to fathom. I'm very, that's why I liked this episode of inside star citizen. Cause I'm like, okay, granted they're not showing me everything, but they're detailing it in a way that I can, construct in my mind how it's going to work. But then there's more questions because it's not all there. Correct.
2: No, but even if it was kind of split, spitballing, it's a, it was seemed very much more clear in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like they sat down and had a meeting and said, this is how we're going to do. Yeah. Card- this is
0: the way it's going to work. And this is they talked about it call. as if it was prototyped, even though it's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. on paper really.
2: Whereas if you ask them that question, if they come out, you know, they have part two, And in a month, they come out with, all right, because, you know, they had to kind of mention that exploration thing, Mm. you know, and then they come out and it's, well, we're thinking of doing, and it's very vague, then that's where you kind of, the theory crafting tries to fill in all the holes and the voids, but they might come out with a very specific, you know, somebody came out with, said, oh yeah, you know, we're very much aware with this new thing, with the Carrick, this is absolutely here, what we're going to do, and art's working on it, then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I like your subcomponents thing.
1: Like, I could, I definitely could see even larger object having some kind of casing, some kind of wiring harness, mm-hmm. some kind of component boards. I mean, you could break it down, right? Oh, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot.
0: It, it, it screams. There's a lot left of this game to be finished, but. Yeah. I think as we all feel, as long as it feels like progress is happening, I don't care.
2: But just to kind of close that, like even as you were saying, you know, the Carrick is designed to be out there for a long time. Yes. But if you kind of go the route of if it's bigger than size X, it doesn't get replaced in the field. Mm. That still means you'd have all the maintenance and essentially, you know, as it were, you're repairing, you're repairing, you're maintaining, it's working, it's working. But your efficiency might simply be going down a little bit. Sure. So like in a gameplay loop, you know, six months, we'll say that's like 30 months of game time, uh, of, of, you know, in-game time. And after 30 months of being out, you know, on your three-year mission to explore, search for new life and new civilizations, you um, You know, when you get back to dry dock, well, you've maintained everything pretty good, but your things are running at like 97, 93% efficiency. Mm -hmm. And it's like, or, and now you're down, or you're down with your, you know, certain capacitors, or, you know, these are down to 52% efficiency. They need to be completely replaced. Right. And you don't physically do that. It's not like you're pulling out the tractor beam and you're pulling these things out, trying to get them down hallways that they don't fit.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I think of it as maybe this is my barrier, and maybe once we get physicalized damage and some of the other things that cause a ship to malfunction, maybe it'll make more sense to me. But mm-hmm. I just picture something like you are in the furthest reaches of space. You have no comms network. It's very difficult to get information back to civilization you encounter something that critically damages one of your components. Not mm-hmm. a subcomponent, the whole component. How do you go ahead and fix it? And maybe there's a way to just fix the component that's broken, but it takes a lot of time. Maybe that's the case. Okay,
2: so. system, Absolutely. But th- if we look at that scenario, that's an episode of Star Trek. And what that, happens when the warp core explodes? They're not fixing it out in the field like they'll fix components, they'll replicate yeah. things, they'll go down to a planet to get parts, you know, Jordy or Scotty or whatever flavor you're watching. They're duct taping things back together or yeah. doing full repairs, getting the diagnostics up and getting those things back. Maybe that's what to I'm 100%. not That's
0: that's what I'm not thinking about
2: is but it's, if, if they're it's ejecting the, the workforce, yeah. They're 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 limping back to a space station. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And while Jordy might oversee the replacement of the report, warp where he's not using a tractor beam to stick it back in there.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that kind of makes sense. I wonder. I wonder how it'll play out. It'll be interesting to see.
2: Um. Awesome. So that's the last thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah and so that's how they're going to deal with hangers. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah,
3: that's right. That's how so we got on. <laughs> <English> <laughs> Thanks, is not our
2: first English is not our first language either. <laughs> I speak uh Samoan.
0: <laughs> yeah. Simish, Simish. Samoans Simish. their currency. Samoans the money. Yeah. Um so that was it for questions uh Canuck, before we wrap this puppy up. We have a new question. Any final thoughts? Fo- oh, oh my already? god! I can't believe. No, his question of the week. I forgot to ask oh, it. Yeah.
3: What is
1: your question of the week? Trouble. So this one was. Uh, so I've already posted, but uh, this is kind of what I was thinking about. Anyway, external defenses for bunkers are non-existent, as just it, basically as you just land it next to the bunker and walk in. You know, and combat is limited to the interior of the bunker. Um, I personally would like to see the fight on ab- above the ground, right, with more substantial defenses and different types, like anti-vehicle, anti-aircraft, yeah. you know, anti-troops. Uh, and I'm just wondering what are people's thoughts on that? Um, you know, I'd like, I'd like to think, you know, that we can do more than just land, walk up to the door, and then go down the elevator and sneak up on everybody. I'd like to think that, we could consider landing, you know, a little ways away and driving up a vehicle or sending in a small scout team to disable some of the vehicle or the defenses or an assault or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's the question, you know, what are the, what are people's thoughts on this bringing the fight to the surface and making the defenses a little more substantial.
0: All right. Excellent. Okay. I keep wanting to answer it and I'm like, no.
2: This answer, We to have answer. to wait
0: next week. Um, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so any final thoughts for anyone? Canuck, anything you want to close the episode with? Well,
2: um, no, we didn't touch on the postmortem, but I don't know if you've read it. So I'm just going to say if you want to read a good assessment of what worked and what didn't worked, uh, didn't work for Alpha 318, 319. I think CIG's post-mortem was uh, is pretty well done. I think they they did recognize some of the challenges they had. Uh, they were they admitted, you know, they were surprised at the impact of some of the changes they made. So they weren't as ready as they would have liked to have been. But it seems that you know. When they're talking about their next steps, they're reasonable next steps. So, mm. if you if you're looking for something that's long, but if you're looking for something to read when you're, uh, you know, at a Zoom meeting or something, you can keep looking at the monitor and just have that open and actually read it. Um, there's some good stuff in there. There's some there's some really good stuff.
1: So I do want to read that because I want to find out what they did to change their testing. They did. They changed some algorithms or something in their testing. Right. Well, that's Uh, what I want to find out. They did talk about
0: using. um, So for some of the high volume testing, like you know when they're trying to have a bunch of people hit the server at once, they're going to
2: try and use simulation for that in the future. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah, take a look at it. If there is one thing I did pull out of that, just to close off of that um a lot of their tools their procedural tools are not in a good state Mm -hmm. they they did admit that like we thought we were good with the rivers but our tools kind of failed us we thought we were good with rastar but you know it's not working the way we want it to so i don't know if that's due to you know engine changes or not engine changes but game changes and you know as as the anybody i don't code I'm not a coder. I'm not a computer not person. Either. But it it's pretty clear that we understand that sometimes you fix one thing or change one thing, and it changes the parameters enough that other stuff stops working properly. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I would invite people, if you want to read something interesting, the uh, Postmortem 318, 319. It's a good read. And there's some nice screenshots in there if you want some backgrounds for your computer.
0: I agree. It's it's an interesting read. I didn't recap it here. because No, that's
2: fine. There's only so much time.
0: Yeah. Uh, and we do well with the time we have. <laughs> yeah.
2: Correct. So I, that's it. I, I'm all out of words except for eventual goodbyes. Wunderbar. I'm out of words.
0: You're out of words already, Seagar. I am. All right.
2: Well, um, how do you guys feel though after all this? Was it a good therapy session? <laughs> oh yeah, I feel much better. Now. Full marks. Full oh marks. yeah, always a good, always a good session. It yeah. feels good to do something
0: highly achievable and predictable. Uh, yeah. You brought yeah.
2: your A-game tonight, I tell you.
0: Well, we always try. We ne- don't always succeed. <laughs> sure I've already had to go to the bathroom once. I've been holding in another attempt. <laughs> oh, I'll, okay.
2: I'll stop talking then. I'm just teasing. The cat was fine, though, by the way. Oh, oh no, good. good.
0: I was going to say, I, I was expecting you to say, by the way, my cat's fine.
2: But oh, no, I just figured I excused myself and then... There was a good. There was some good points going on, and while I'm not adverse to non-sequiturs, uh, I try to. If I, I saw it was a pretty interesting point that uh, Seagard was making, so I didn't uh, didn't think it was appropriate to jump in with cat news. It,
0: it's also a lot better than just showing up and and hearing. Well, Canuck, how about you? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: uh, meow. <laughs> exactly.
3: What's your opinion? <laughs> right.
0: uh, uh, Bueller, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bueller. I have nothing else to add as well. It's good to be back. That's that's yes. all I gonna
1: add. Oh, oh you okay. know, I got, I got. I one. knew it. Uh, I knew it. I, I like to leave one. a little space. All right. You if show. anybody bought the beer glasses from Star Citizen, I got mine, so they're they're shipping.
2: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. beer glasses for
1: Very good.
0: Very exciting. So good. Uh, good. um, Well, if you do have any questions, if you have any comments, anything related to content on this episode, you can always email them at citizencastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our X or whatever, I'm just going to call it Twitter handles at at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through our Spotify landing page. Or, of course, one of the best places to join is our Citizen Cast Discord. And speaking of discords, if you are out there looking for a crew, an org, or other people to play with during your solo sessions, um, there's a great community over at Parley House. Um, it's a neutral zone for all players to hang out, socialize, and enjoy the best space sim there is to offer. Um... And last but not least, we do have friends of the show who are fellow content creators. So if you can, please support them. We have Earth and Snorkel as well as Undead Parrot who have YouTube stations or channels, I guess. Um, Of course, you'll hear music in this episode by Admiral Cody and Calibri, but they also have Star Citizen-inspired soundtracks. Um, And friends of the show over at Star Jump. Created Fleet Viewer as well as have a regular t- Twitch stream and a YouTube repost. We've got grim and VMZO um, who put a lot of work into both keeping that tool um, up to date but also creating some great content themselves. So that uh, wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. You never see them. We just, they hear us. We'll hear you next time. Smell yeah. you later. You'll hear us next time. Also, right. you notice I didn't say next week?
2: Uh, <laughs> 100%. Just no, in case.
3: will not be alive. You
2: know, next week should be fine because... I'm sure. To be honest, like you said, like it's the end of summer, it's fall and everything, so it's always a lull, but it's particularly slow, so...
0: yeah, Yeah, I mean next week we can talk about what happens on Thursday which should be equally
2: as good as last Thursday so well, uh, uh, you know what, maybe I'll check my calendar maybe I can pop in for the second part just to have that continuity yeah let's let's figure it out alright it's pretty good so you guys taking some screenshots for the pirate week Are you going for some treasure hunting or what I haven't done anything
1: I have not know either I've been gone. So I just came back. Well, you might have been gone mentally.
2: <laughs> I am <laughs> so tired. Hey, three point two drops tomorrow. You can we get to test the the it's login 3. servers? It's three yeah. twenty, Canuck.
0: Three twenty. No <laughs> good night. Three point two <laughs> was many years ago.
3: Many.